glad that you've taken the time to do it. Our service is very simple today. We sang some songs. We had a prayer. You're going to have a message. We'll sing again at the end, and we'll just wish Merry Christmas to everybody. I hope you've had a chance to meet the people around you. We have some people visiting for the first time. We have some people returning and visiting after a long period of time. So we're just grateful that all of you are here today. It's a very, very special day. We had a wonderful, or two wonderful services last night for Christmas Eve, and uh, just thanks to Stephen and to all that participated to be able to, to sing together by candlelight. Such a special, special time. And I know that today can be a hard day, too, for people. Uh, there are people even recently who have had loss, who are celebrating this holiday for the first time in that loss. And uh, it's difficult. We are praying for you as well. I hope that this morning will be encouraging to you as we talk about the Word of God together. So I'm going to begin today by reading two passages, uh, very important passages, as we talk about the birth of Jesus. And we'll start with Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, and I'm starting in verse 26. I'll give you a chance to turn there if you have your Bibles. I know you're usually used to us having the scripture on, on uh, the uh, screen. We're going to follow along in our Bibles today. Luke chapter 1, I'm starting in verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age and she who is called barren is now in her sixth month for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We're going to turn now to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. So what we just read was the account of Mary getting the announcement of Jesus being born. And now we're going to see the announcement that came to Joseph. And this is in Luke chapter 1 starting in verse, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is the announcement to Joseph. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, plan to send her away secretly because he didn't know whether or not he should believe this story of her having a conception by the Holy Spirit. But when he had considered this, 
Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall give him his name, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Behold, the virgin will be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call him his name, Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. He called his name Jesus. Jesus is the Greek version, well, the English translation of the Greek version of the Hebrew name that Jesus was actually given, Yeshua. And Yeshua means Jehovah saves, God saves, or God is salvation. It's not just his name, it's not just what he did, it's who he is. Jesus is Savior. Now, names are very important. Very, very important. I read an article in Preaching Today, and I, I want to read this quote. It says, researchers have shown that our names have deep root within our mental worlds, drawing us magnetically towards the concept they embody. And so I did a little bit of research, and this is kind of fun, actually. So um, a man named Igor Judge, can you guess what he wound up being? Well, yeah, he was the Lord Chief Justice in England and Wales, right? Uh, a surfer, famous surfer named Lane Beachley. How about uh, the Aussie Rules football player, Derek Kickett, right? That's very appropriate. Uh, I love this one, uh, tennis, tennis part, an Israeli tennis star. Her name is Lynn, no, it's not, it's Anna Smashnova. That doesn't even sound like it's a real name, but it is. My, actually, my dentist's name is Dr. Moeller. Does anybody else here have Dr. Moeller? Yeah, Dr. Moeller. He spells it a little differently, but still, it's pretty good. Um, I actually, I knew a dentist named Dr. Payne. I did not go to him, but his P-A-Y-N-E, Dr. Payne. And of course, the fastest man on earth is Usain Bolt, right? You wonder, would he be so fast if his name was Usain Sloth or Usain, Dra Usain Drag or something like that. And then, of course, I think about my own name, John. What do you think of? Uh, all right, we won't go there. You know, every house has a John and all that kind of stuff, right? All right. My parents didn't think of that when they named me, though. I'll say that. I hope not anyway. Well, in the Bible, in the Bible, names have a great purpose. Uh, people are named for the circumstance in which they're born. They're named for the promise that is attached to them that the Lord gave. They're named for the hope that the parents have. Some names are, are beautiful and, and glorious. Some names are not. I think of in 1 Samuel, which we're going to study next, by the way. Our, our next series, starting in January, will be 1 Samuel. And at one point, uh, uh, somebody names their son Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. 
no glory. That's a sad name. Names mean a lot. So in both of the passages we read in Luke and Matthew, we saw that Jesus' name was given by God to both Mary and to Joseph. I'm sure that was tremendous confirmation for Joseph when he heard from the angel, you're to name him the same name that Mary already told you, Jesus, which means the Lord saves the Lord saves. In Luke chapter two, we said, today in the city of David, there has been born a savior who is Christ the Lord. Why did Jesus come? He came to save. God saves. Jesus is God and he saves. He came to save. Jesus himself told us about this uh, when he met a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a strange little man, and Jesus had already gotten some popularity, and Zacchaeus was not liked by the people of his community. He was a tax collector. Tax collectors were known for, for being corrupt, and he especially was corrupt. He admitted to that, and he was not liked. Tax collectors were hated because they were hired by the Romans to collect money from the Jews, but they themselves were Jewish. So the Jews hated them because they were collecting money for Rome and stealing money from their own people, and then the, the Romans hated them because they were Jewish and they were really just pawns. And so the tax collector was a rejected, a, a rejected person and usually hung around with a bunch of friends that were known as sinners because nobody else would hang around with them. Well, all of a sudden, outside this tax collector's booth, Zacchaeus sees this commotion coming into town. What's all the hubbub? All this crowd is gathering. And what's going on? And he happens to be a short man. He can't see above the crowd what everybody's looking at. So he decides to run, run, run up ahead. He runs way ahead and he climbs up in a tree and he's looking and he sees this crowd is there because of Jesus. Because Jesus is there. Who is this man? Who is this Jesus? Why, why is all this crowd around him now? Well, Jesus spots Zacchaeus up in the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house for lunch today. Jesus invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Well, some in the crowd were horrified at this because Zacchaeus was a sinner. Jesus is going to be this, with this corrupt man. He's going to be in his home and fellowshipping with him, having a meal with him. Jesus knew their displeasure and he answered, the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. His purpose. The purpose. Why did Jesus come? To seek and save the lost. We needed a savior who would seek us out. We needed somebody who would find us. I think of myself, I was a teen. I was 14 years old when I first heard the gospel. And I was, I was just a normal teen. I, you know, lost in my emotions and confusion and everything else that teens go through. I had no idea I was lost. I thought my life was pretty good. I was heading in the right direction maybe. I hoped anyway. And I had no idea I was lost. But Jesus broke into my life. When I got saved at that time, there was a popular bumper sticker, and maybe you remember it. It was bright yellow, and it said three words, I found it. I found it. Does anybody remember that bumper sticker? Right? Well, it was clever because it made people up. Well, what's the it? What did you find? So it, it gave good conversation. But the truth is it wasn't really very good theology because I didn't find Christ. He found me. I didn't even know I was looking. I wasn't looking. 
I didn't know I needed it. But Christ found me. There was another song at that time, uh, right around the time I was saved in 1977 by Phil Keggy, and it was called Love Broke Through, and the words are, are like waking up from the longest dream, how real it seemed, until your love broke through. See, our lives without Christ is, is a dream, not a dream in a good sense, but it, it's a dream. We don't even know the reality of our situation, that we really needed somebody to seek after us. We didn't seek after him. He sought us. He found you the same way, just, just like I was found. He came, searched for you, and he found you. He saw Zacchaeus in that tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. Zacchaeus was just curious. What's going on? But Jesus sought out Zacchaeus and called him down. And as you read through the Gospels, I hope with the new year coming up, you're gonna start a good reading program. If nothing else, spend time in the four Gospels. But as you read in the Gospels, you will see over and over, Jesus is the one who sought. Jesus found people all the time. That's what he does. He is a savior who seeks. I once was lost, but now I'm found. We sing that all the time, don't we? And that is the truth. So we needed a savior who would seek us. But we also need a savior who would actually save us. That's why he's called savior. So when you think about being saved or needing to be saved, you think of maybe you know, sailors who are, whose ship went down. And I just watched, I just watched a movie uh, about uh, Pearl Harbor and all these sailors are, are in the water and they needed to be rescued. Or you think of a, a helicopter with a searchlight, you know, searching at night for somebody who is lost. Or you think of maybe the miners who were trapped, the, the mine collapsed and they were trapped in darkness for, for days on end, had no idea if anybody would even know where they were. Or you think of the, the girl, the story of the girl known as everybody's child who fell into the well and was stuck in that well for, for days and uh, also needed to be rescued. That's what I think when I think of somebody who needs to be saved. But, and, and as much as those are nightmares for the people who experience those things, and we can't minimize how horrible those situations are, but I do want to say that the truth is it's, it's even worse for us spiritually because we don't even know the situation we're in. Without Christ, we don't even know that we need salvation. Without Jesus, we don't even know that we are lost, that we are desperate, in a desperate situation. And until we admit that we are in that desperate situation, we can never know the saving power of Jesus Christ. He seeks us but he doesn't force himself upon us. He waits for our response. He came to pay the penalty for your and my sin, but he waits for us to accept his gift of eternal life. Without Jesus, we are all like the sailors or the miners or the girl in the well, but we don't know it. They knew they were in desperate need of salvation, but we don't know it. Spiritually, we are lost. And you know, I have to admit, I've been a believer for about 49 years now. I often forget how lost I was. You know, I was 14 when I first heard the gospel and when I responded to Jesus seeking me and calling my name. And 
you know, I hadn't experienced a whole lot of adult sinful life, right? I was a teen. You know, I, I certainly knew what sin was, and I knew I did wrong. But I hadn't experienced a whole lot of that. I have to admit, 49 years later, I forget how lost I was. And I think, you know, there's probably many people here raised in a church, heard the gospel from a young age, saw their parents serving the Lord and, and uh, just been in church, been, with, been through Awana and all that kind of thing. And, you know, you got saved young and never experienced those, those kind of heinous adult sins that, that those who got saved later in life experience. And it's easy to forget the situation. But I've done enough counseling to know that your situation would be horrible if you didn't have Jesus. And whether or not you know it, your situation was desperate because without Jesus, you were destined for hell, destined for an eternity without Jesus Christ, an eternity of complete suffering and unending suffering. That's what it is to be without Jesus. And whether or not you've experienced some of that suffering and got saved from it in this life, or you never experienced that suffering, but if you are saved, you have been saved from the same situation. Everybody has been in that same place, a place of desperate lostness, a place of complete, complete hopelessness. But Jesus' love broke through. He came to save us, and even when we forget. So I encourage you today, Christmas Day, what a great day to really contemplate how lost you really were, even if you didn't know it when you were saved as a, as a young person. You know, this year in our church, we have at least eight teens and adults who came to the Lord, came to know the salvation of Jesus Christ this year. In addition to that, we had, uh, I think, about five children through v VBS who accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior as well. They experienced the life change of coming, coming from desperate hopelessness to eternal life, to abundant life in this world, to a new life and eternal life with Jesus Christ. That's what happens when we come to Christ. That's because he is a savior who seeks us and a savior who saves us. And that was his purpose for coming. And so we, we could be so glad that today we celebrate not only the purpose of the Savior, but the provision of a Savior, that the Savior was provided to us on Christmas Day. So the Bible verse that we looked at, actually, before I read that, I just want to read these other Bible verses. Listen to how God provided a Savior for us. For God so loved the world, you can finish it with me, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. God provided a savior. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. God provided a savior. And in our verse, especially that we are spending time in today, today in the city of David, a savior is born, which is for you, Christ 
the Lord. This day, it says, this day a Savior is born. Today, it was an actual day. It is a historic event that Jesus Christ was born. Do you know there is no other, no other person in any ancient literature whose birth is better attested to, better accounted to, and documented than Jesus. By eight times, the life of Jesus is better documented than any other ancient figure in history. Jesus being born on this day, whether it was December 25th or not, but today we celebrate it. Jesus being born on this day is a documented fact. It is an historic event. He was born. By the Holy Spirit, Mary the Virgin was conceived and conceived Jesus. And this conception means that his earthly existence started exactly as ours does from the very moment of conception. This gives, gives credence and gives, gives value to the fact of why we hold that life starts at conception. Because Jesus himself started at conception. And then following that, following the, the nine-month process of being inside of Mary, he was born. Jesus has a birthday. He was born on a specific day, and it's what we celebrate today. What a great day. I want, to, I want you to understand this, that Jesus on that day entered the realm of time so that you and I could live in the realm of eternity. Right? He entered the realm of time so that you and I could live in the realm of eternity. That is a tremendous truth. Without Jesus coming to earth on that day, we could not have ever entered into his eternal existence. We live in that truth because Christ died for us. It says, today in the city of David. So not only was there a time, but there was a place, the city of David. And this is so significant. The city of David is Bethlehem. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Micah wrote this. He said, from you, Bethlehem, one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from days of eternity. You get what he's saying? This is God speaking through the prophet Micah, and he's saying, I will send my eternal son, and he will be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem the city of David. Now, what's also significant about Bethlehem is that it's just south of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place, the, the seat of the temple. And the temple was the place where thousands upon thousands of sacrifices happened every year. You see, if I were a Jewish man, on every, every uh, commemorative holiday, I would trek, I would make my way to Jerusalem to make sacrifices. Now, I would make sacrifices for myself, for my family, but I wouldn't necessarily bring my own little herd of sheep with me, but I'd go, I'd go to Jerusalem, and I would, I would purchase a perfect lamb there to be sacrificed for me, for my family, and I would celebrate what the Lord is doing. And the reason for these sacrifices was because it was to show me that I'm the one who was supposed to die, but God in his graciousness will accept the death of a lamb 
in my place because my sin meant that I should die. But this sacrificed lamb doesn't necessarily undo my sin, but it covers my sin in that this lamb died in my place. And so thousands and thousands and thousands, possibly millions, would show up in Jerusalem on these holidays and purchase these lambs to be slain on behalf of their sin. Where did all those lambs come from? They came from Bethlehem. Bethlehem, just south of Jerusalem, is loaded with hills, and those hills are covered with flocks of sheep shepherds all over the place because it's good money. They're selling lambs for the sacrifice up to Jerusalem. When the lambs were the right age and all the the perfect lambs without blemish, they'd be herded up to Jerusalem and taken into the temple and sold there to be sacrifices. We even have that account in the account of Jesus. We read of all the shepherds that were in in the hills, you know, taking care of their sheep, you know, the shepherds, wild by flocks, by sheep. How did that go? You know what we sang, right? Yeah. Wild shepherds, watch their flocks by night. Right, shepherds all over the place. And the angels appeared to the shepherds because they were there in Bethlehem. They were the people that were there. It's so significant that our Savior, who came to seek and save you, was born in the place of the sacrificial lambs. He is the ultimate sacrificial lamb. All those other lambs died to cover my sins for a year or so. Jesus died to take away my sins. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, he doesn't just cover sin. He takes it away. And not just my sin, but the sins of the world. Our sacrificial lamb came to save us. He died on the cross in Jerusalem, the place of the temple, and sacrificed himself on behalf of you and me where you and I should have died because of your sin and my sin. He died in our place, our sacrificial lamb, this one born in the city of David. The Apostle Peter says, For you were not redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish. Our Savior came to seek and save us, and he came to die, a sacrifice in our place. He died. He died. We cannot take that lightly. Death is serious. Death is final. Now, we know it wasn't final for Christ because he rose from the dead. But the seriousness of death, he took on. We cannot take that lightly. Jesus is the Savior. He did come to seek us. He did come to save us, and he saved us by his death. That's what he did for us. That's what we celebrate today on his birthday. On Christmas, we celebrate that we have a Savior who came to seek and save the lost, and he died for us. 
Now, Christmas can be a sad time for people. I know this. This is, this is a, a, you know, it's, it's commonly known as happy as it is and as many as, as, there, as much as there's rejoicing, many people are sad on Christmas because of loss, because it's just naturally depressing sometimes. But I thought, you know, we started out talking about names of Christ, the name Jesus specifically, and I thought that, that maybe what we could do now is just, I'd like to bring to you several other names that Jesus is given in the scriptures that we can gain hope from this. We read in one of those passages that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. See, that ends the separation between you and God. Now, because of Jesus, God is with us. He's named Redeemer, which means he bought us back, bought us back out of slavery and into new life. He is named the Good Shepherd, which means he guides and leads us for our good. King of Kings, which means he rules all kings of this earth, and he is sovereign over all. He is named the Light of the World. His light came to shine on our darkness so we no longer have to live in darkness, in that fog. His love broke through. He's called the mediator, the one who reconciled us to God because there was was not peace between us. There was opposition between us and God. Jesus is the mediator between us. He's called the one who sets us free because we were in bondage. He broke those chains. He himself said, I've come to set the prisoners free. That is Jesus, the one who sets free. The son of man that he came, he broke into humanity in order to save people from their sin. He's called wonderful counselor, that his guidance is trustworthy. Everlasting father, his kingdom will never end. Prince of peace, He brings peace to our hearts, not only peace of reconciliation between us and God, but true peace, a peace that this world could never know. Only believers can have this. He's called the bridegroom in that he will come back for us and take us to live with him for all eternity. There are many other names that we can think about today, but I want to close with this one. Once Jesus had risen from the dead, he appeared to his disciples to all but Thomas. And uh, the disciples told Thomas, we saw Jesus risen from the dead. Thomas said, until I see his hands and the scars in his hands and the scars in his side, I can't believe it. A week later, Jesus showed up again to the disciples and Thomas was there. And Jesus said, Thomas, come, put your hand in my side. Touch my wounds. Feel my realness, that I am real, that I am here. Thomas, in shock, in awe, says, my Lord, my God. And that's just it. That's just it. You see, it's my Lord, my God. Of all those names, those names can mean nothing to you unless he is yours. This morning... We had Christmas. Did anybody get to open gifts this morning? Seriously, all those people with hands down, you didn't open gifts? Come over to my house afterwards. We'll give you something. Yeah, all right. We opened gifts, right? A lot of people, probably everybody in here opens gifts. Well, the gift does you no good if you don't receive it. I could give you a gift, 
But if you don't take it, open it, and make it yours, it's meaningless to you. It's the same with Jesus. Thomas at that moment, I believe that was his saving moment. My Lord, my God, you're not just a Lord, a God. You are my Lord, my God. Can that be his name for you this morning? He's not just Jesus' Savior. He wants to be my Savior, your Savior. That's what his gift is to you on Christmas and every day. Wouldn't it be great if today was your spiritual birthday? If Christmas 2022 was the day you said, my Lord, my God, it can be that for you today. If he is not your Lord and God already, let him be your Lord and God. And for the rest of us, let us be renewed in understanding what God saved us from and all that Jesus did to rescue us from the desperate hopelessness that we lived in, even if we weren't aware of it when we were saved. Let's be renewed in our love for Jesus. When we do this, when he is my Lord and my God, he gives us untold joy. We're going to close now. We're going to sing Joy to the World, this great, great Christmas carol. And again, we sang this a few weeks ago when I explained that this, this hymn is really about Jesus' kingdom on earth, but it's certainly appropriate to sing it today. So let's stand together as we sing Joy to the World. <laughs> 